Hello, handsomes! Welcome to Volume 2 of Personally Speaking, the comedy show that combines your true stories and my need for attention. I'm your hostess, Christiana. Every month, I invite storytellers, comics, and personal friends of mine to share true tales in my living room before a live audience. They have 10 minutes to share based on a monthly theme. This month's theme is fame. This month, Susanna Lee gets accosted by Ron Jeremy. Melody Holden keeps up with the Kardashians. Sean Richards has one of the best celebrity sightings of all time. Seriously, you do not get better than this. Julia Hayes gets to be the cool girl for a night in Vegas. Ian Toledo documents his rise to high school fame. And Yelena Litvak talks growing up in L.A. proper. Sit back, pour yourself a drink, and enjoy the show. Uh, just like scale 1 to 10, how turned on are you guys right now? Excellent. That's where we want to start. That's where we want to start. Welcome to Person Speaking. <laughs> I'm fine. This is a show predicated on the idea that everybody has a story to tell. So there are a lot of really, really good stories in this room right now. We just kind of have to like pry open that clam, dig real deep, excavate it. That's going to show up on the podcast. It'll be great. Thank you. Everybody who is going to come up tonight only wants you to love them. Honest to God, that's all they want. They literally just want to earn your trust and make you laugh. So I want you guys to uncross your arms and open your heart. If your arms are crossed, yes you, yes you, yes you. Uncross your arms, open your heart, guys. Welcome to Personally Speaking. Um, I am a-okay. It is fine. We're not going to talk about it. Yes, we are. I'm, um, I'm coming out of the worst of very disgusting, like literally the illest I've ever been in my life which is probably going to be the name of my next mixtape. <laughs> First laugh, got it. Okay. Um, I think uh, the main thing, we're just, we're just going to get through it, basically. I have a cough. You don't have a cough. We're not going to talk about it. We'll be fine. Recently, because I had to, I went to Kaiser Permanente, kp.org, okay? Yeah. kp.org. It's an organization. And I needed urgent care. Like, yes, we know I need this in my relationships. I also need this for my health. So I went to KP, and uh, that's just, we're on like a initialism basis at this point. And I went in um, saying like, hey, I've got urgent symptoms. They're really gross. I don't like them. I want to have sex with people again. What do I do? <laughs> and um, the doctor was pretty much, <laughs> she was just like, well, uh, you've got the flu. And I was like, cool, give me antibiotics. I want to be over this. And she's like, mm, eh, I'm going to stop it right there. And I was like, no, just give me the drugs, please. <laughs> and, uh, and she's like, basically, it's just your immunity system. Take a bunch of emergency. Now, I've had friends who have told me, like, emergency is bullshit. Doctor approved. Doctor approved. Um, she's like, take a bunch of emergency. Let me just give you a few things, like, just to basically suppress your symptoms. You're, I'm not going to make you better. I was like, no one is. Um, gotta love yourself first, guys. Uh, so, I go for this prescription. This appointment is already 40 bucks. I'm like, 40 bucks to get told what I functionally, like I really already know, which is that uh, wait it out. $40 for wait it out. 
And then she prescribed me all these things. There's like, there's codeine in one of them. I'm like, cool, it sounds great, it sounds fun. I get to the, to the pharmacy and they're like, okay, this, this, and this, great. It'll be $75. I was like, sick anymore <laughs> done with that phase of my life I've decided to stop aging and stop getting sick so we're all done with that um, tonight's show if you're if you're clear that you're in the right place is personally speaking we have a monthly theme tonight's theme is fame I like to talk about myself hopefully until I get famous so that's the best intro that I have that's how we're gonna tie it together there are seven seven talented speakers getting to the stage tonight. So the first person coming to the stage is a delightful human being who also has her own storytelling show. It's called the Dirty Birdie Story Hour. Dirty Birdie, baby. Dirty Birdie. That's right. Dirty's in the name, so you know what you're getting. I kind of hide mine. Personally speaking, you don't know. Might be explicit, might not be. Her name is Susanna Lee, and she's going to kill it. Give it up, guys. Thank you, big round of applause for Christiana. All right, let me get oriented. Let me get my bearings, et cetera, et cetera. Let me figure out how to deal with this curtain. Uh, first of all, you can cross your arms while I'm up here. I'm going to cross my arms. It's not because I'm aloof, not because I'm closing off from you, or I'm scared of you. I'm not scared of you. It's just my tits are heavy. I like a shell. So <laughs> get that out of the way right now. The theme of fame is really interesting. I came out here with def like definitely preconceived notions about famous people, you know? Coming from the Midwest, I thought they must be more special than the rest of us, you know? They must be like shinier. There's something about them that makes them famous. So I came out here, and I came out here from Kansas City with like both middle fingers in the air, pointed directly back east, you know? <laughs> and so I came out here, and I was like, I'm gonna have fucking famous friends and fuck everyone back there. I don't need this shit. So I come out here and within two weeks I have my first chance to meet famous people. <laughs> I got invited to uh, a taping of a show that my friend was working on and I show up, famous people everywhere. And there's one that I have a mutual friend with. So I'm like, I zero in on him and I'm like, that's gonna be my first famous friend. And it was Ron Jeremy. <laughs> All right, so fame is like we're using the word fame loosely, but <laughs> still, he's recognizable. We have this mutual friend, so I went up to him, and I was just full of like, I'm brand new to L.A., fresh off the bus. Hi there. We have a mutual friend. Let's be buddies, you know? And uh, I gave him my business card. He gave me his twice, played me a song on his harmonica. Oh, and I was just out of my head thrilled when the next day he called me and asked me if I wanted to meet him for a drink. Are you fucking kidding me? Of course I want to meet him for a drink. Yeah. So I text like 10 of my friends back in Kansas City and I'm like, this train is fucking getting going. And I text 10 of them. I'm like, I'm going out with Ron Jeremy tonight. Hmm. And 10 of my friends text me back. You're going to fuck Ron Jeremy tonight. <laughs> now, here's the thing. I hadn't even thought that was a possibility. I hadn't even thought that would be 
like his impetus at all, you know? Because like that's what you do for a living. Why the fuck would you want to do that on your off time? <laughs> and with me, you know, I'm not I'm not famous. I'm 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 you know, I'm not famous. Why would you wanna you fuck all the famous porn stars? What this is not this is not for you, you know? But I immediately get nervous, so I, uh, I texted, no, I'm sorry, I called our mutual friend, this girl in Portland, and I was like, hey, I'm going out with Ron Jeremy tonight. Um, here's the thing. Just wondering, uh, he's not going to try and fuck me, is he? And she's like, well, he is Ron Jeremy. <laughs> so I doubled up on the Xanax. I went. Sometimes you have to. And then I, I went to meet him. We met at the Rainbow on Sunset. Oh, it's very fancy, very impressive, right? When you're two weeks fresh to LA, that's some shit, you know. And I'm dressed up. I'm to from like dressed to the nines, like top to bottom, fucking hair to heaven, everything down to new shoes, you know. And I walk in, and I'm like, oh, the luster has worn off slightly. All right. And he's sitting in a booth right inside the door. And so I sit down, and I should mention, he was also dressed to the nines. Oh, top to bottom, all the way from his dandruff greasy hair down to his T-shirt to his sweatpants to his Crocs. Yeah, that's right, I said it. He was wearing Crocs. <laughs> so <laughs> it took me a second to take it in, you know, all that glamour. And uh, <laughs> so I sit down in the booth, uh, there's a guy sitting in the booth and he's like coked to the gills. Like just like really, really agitated too and he's going off on Ron Jeremy about something, about some other dude, some third party that has made this guy angry. And Ron's just sort of sitting there listening, just not really, just sort of sitting and listening. This guy's like, you know, and I'm just sitting across the booth just like, what is this? And so then that guy eventually gets all storms off and leaves. So now it's just me and Ron Jeremy sitting across the booth from each other. And we're not talking. Like we're not having a conversation. <laughs> There's not small talk. There's not the, the hint of small talk. There's not small talk yet to come. There's fucking nothing. And I'm looking around, and it's real awkward. And I'm looking around, and people are looking. They're staring, and they're staring at Ron Jeremy because they know who he is. They're like, oh, my God, that's Ron Jeremy. And they're looking at me, too, but they don't know who I am. They're looking at me a little bit differently. They're looking at me like, oh, I think she wants to be a porn star. <laughs> Mortifying. So I am on my phone under the table, just texting, texting. I'm, I'm texting uh, my, our, our mutual friend. And I'm like, oh, God, this is, uh, this is awkward. This is very bad. And I look up, and Ron Jeremy has fallen asleep. Oh. oh. Right, if I was mortified before, and I'm just like, oh, God, I need to pack my shit, go back to Kansas. <laughs> Put Ron Jeremy to sleep. So I text our friend, I'm like, uh, he fell asleep, does that mean I can go home? So she texts me back, she's like, oh, shit, I forgot to tell you, he's narcoleptic, you can't, you can't leave him. For real. Narcoleptic. That's a disease where you just fucking randomly fall asleep and shit. All right, yeah, Ron Jeremy has it or something similar that has the same effect. So I, uh, I though, am bound and determined. I'm like, I'm out of here. This, is, this has to end. This is too weird. I got to go. So I go over to him, and I sort of tap him on the shoulder. I'm like, 
oh, Ron, you seem tired. I think I'm going to go. And he sort of snaps you and he goes, can I sign your boob? And I'm like, well, yeah, that's fine. I mean, I, I favor the low-cut things. There was plenty of meat showing, and he did already have his Sharpie out, you know. And I mean he actually had a marker on the table. That's not a euphemism. <laughs> so uh, he goes, okay, come with me. And I'm like, oh, well, I mean, we, we, we could just probably do it right here. And he goes, no, come with me. And I'm like, all right, all right. So he leads me back into the kitchen. And I'm like, okay. And then we keep going. We go past the kitchen. And I'm like, all right. We go past the dry storage, okay. We go past the walk-in, all right, and we end up in what I can only describe to you as a stone-floored rape alley. <laughs> so I'm in a stone-floored rape alley with Ron Jeremy. That's probably the only time in your life you're ever going to hear that sentence, I hope. <laughs> and uh, I'm just beyond nervous. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I don't know where I am. There's shadows. I'm expecting Axl Rose to jump out of the shadows. Just like, welcome to the jungle. You're gonna die, you know? And uh, so Ron Jeremy turns to me and he lifts his hand up and I'm just, I'm a, a fucking spectator at this point, you know? And he jams his hand down my shirt and I'm like, oh, hey, Ron Jeremy, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing there, Ron Jeremy? What are you doing? Why are you? And he goes, I want to see your nipple. And I'm like, mm, why? <laughs> <laughs> if I had to ballpark it, I would say you've seen no less than a million nipples probably this year alone. There's nothing happening here that's going to change your life in any way, shape, or form, all right? This is not your precious. I don't know what you're digging for. <laughs> And he managed to get like half an areola out and he's satisfied with it. And I'm like, okay, great. So then he signs and I'm like, fuck yeah, I can go. And I turn and I take a step and he grabs my wrist and I turn back slowly. And he goes, do you want to touch it? <laughs> no. Come on, touch it. And he's got me by the wrist, and he's moving my hand down, down, down. And I'm like, no, no, I don't want to touch it. He's like, touch it. I don't want to touch it. Touch it. I don't want to touch it. Listen, I'm not going to tell you guys exactly what happened, <laughs> but I can hold my hand over a flame and not feel a fucking thing. <laughs> so I turned to leave, and he's like, well, where are you going now? And I'm like, oh, and I wanted, to, I wanted to be cool. I wanted to act cool. I wanted to act like I'm not affected by this fucking weird evening. I go, oh, I'm going to the improv to see my friend. It's his birthday. And he goes, I'll go with you. And I'm like, you don't have to do that. <laughs> no, I want to go with you. Okay. All right. Do you want me to drive? My Saturn is in the parking lot. I can probably drive. I got this. My car is newer than yours, Ron Jeremy. <laughs> I'll go ahead and drive. And uh, so we get out there, and we're, we're standing outside, and we don't get to just, like, walk out, walk to my car. No, 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 we're standing outside, and people want their picture taken with them. So I'm, at this point now, I'm just taking pictures. I'm just taking pictures. I'm just, like, a fucking personal assistant, you know, which is better, better than what I was before, <laughs> somehow. So uh, we get in my car, and we're headed from the rainbow to the improv, and he gets a phone call, and it is, I swear, it, I just, it, like, it can't get weirder, but it does. It's Carrot Top. <laughs> 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 like, 
I am not shitting you. I have Ron Jeremy talking to the phone, talking on the phone to Carrot Top in my past. I have the surreal life in my fucking passenger seat. And so we get to the improv, and we go in, and, and immediately people are really taken with Ron Jeremy, and I'm like, well, thank fucking God. And I sit down at the bar, and I'm like, I'm just going to fucking sit here, and I'm just going to have a drink. It's not going to happen. And some woman is just like, she's on him. And I'm like, well, of course you're on him. You didn't just spend like an hour and a half at the rainbow with him. He didn't just fucking molest your fucking right tit in a stone-floored rape alley behind the rainbow. <laughs> of course you're taken with him. Be fucking taken with him. I don't want to be taken with him. <coughs> so I think I'm going to be able to slip out, get away, you know? No, no, no. He wants to go with me again. And I'm like, all right, well, I'll just take you back to your car. And he's like, okay. So we get in my car and we're driving, and I'm just, I'm giving it one final fucking thrust. I'm giving it one final, like, clutching hope at finding humanity in him. So I'm talking to him about, because that's what I wanted, all right? I didn't want to be friends with the famous person. I wanted to be the person that was friends with someone who was, you know, famous, but... I wanted to be the person that got to be like, oh, well, I mean, you really have to know them, <laughs> you know? Like, I wanted to talk about his one-man show, for real. I wanted to talk about his one-man show. <laughs> so we're in the car on the way back, and uh, I'm talking to him. I'm, like, talking to him about, like, whoa, what happened before porn, blah, blah, blah. He was a teacher. He was a fucking teacher. He was a special ed teacher. So I'm finding the humanity. I'm like, well, that's that glimmer of hope. Let's fucking dive in and see what's here. And I'm like, so do you ever, um, you ever think about that anymore? You know, you ever just cross your mind again? He goes, oh yeah, 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 I do. The other day, I was, uh, I was driving. I came to a stop sign and I see a woman. She's a teacher. You know, she's standing on the side of the road with a group of kids. You know, they were a bunch of retards, and, I <laughs> and that's when I stopped. <laughs> and that's when I was like, welcome to L.A. They're no different than the rest of us. Famous or not, their number came up. It doesn't mean shit. Fame is nothing but a numbers game. doesn't mean that they're human. doesn't mean that they're more special. It just means that their number came up. Thank you, guys. Keep it going for Susanna Lee. Marvelous, marvelous. Uh, really quickly. What's the word for somebody who drinks too much? Hey, I just called her mom, but that's fine. Um, yeah, you know what? Damn. That's fine. What is the word for somebody who works too much? Workaholic. Okay, so we would think that the word for someone who feels too much isn't single, but apparently it is. Um, no, it is. There is a, a real thing. It's it's called codependence. I'm a codependent. That means I care too much, but I'm in recovery. I started a 12-step program. Haven't cared in 30 days. Thank you very much, guys. <laughs> Quick, what do you think is the more important political marriage of our time? Is it A, Bill and Hillary, or B, Kim, Kanye, and Kanye's Twitter? I feel like there's no way I'm going to be any funnier than Kanye West tweets, if you guys have been reading, so we're not even going to bother but I will say, a lot of people are attached to the idea that, that Kim has just married money, uh, Kanye for the money, for the power, etc. Uh, real quick, Kim makes twice as much as Kanye. Twice as much! If you have read Kanye's tweets le lately, you will know that he is $53 million in debt. Now, I mean, 
I'm not saying he's a gold digger, but... <laughs> I had to! I had to! This next comic coming to the stage, uh, her name is Melody Holden. She's de- a delight. She and I met while we were wasted, so that makes us inseparable. Come on up, Melody! Hello. I make all my friends while I'm wasted, so... Yeah. Not gonna be making many friends tonight because I'm pretty sober. When I was a little kid, uh, all my teachers they thought I was just a god awful ham and delight, <laughs> and they were always telling my mom, "You should send her out on auditions. You should like she should be on Disney Channel. Like she's perfect." To my own horn, because <laughs> anyways, but my mom she would never let me audition or even like entertain the thought of me being a child star because she never wanted me to end up like all the other Disney kids who (laughs) end up on drugs (laughs) and I always get so bitter about that because I jokes on you ma I'm already on drugs (laughs) I could at least be worth 10 million by now I'm just like scraping by Buying my own drugs without syndication money, so (laughs) come on. So, uh, yeah, everyone pretty much here in L.A. wants to become famous. It's a dream to climb up whatever the lists. So uh, remember a few years ago when Kim Kardashian released her uh, video game? Yeah, so the whole point of this video game is to become famous. And what it has you do to become famous is increasingly ridiculous. I just re-downloaded it. It's like super addictive. I hate it. (laughs) Um, Like I can't, like, I was actually like cooking up with this guy and I couldn't like, you know, go into my phone and like check off my stuff because what it has you do is like, got to do all these different tasks, like go to club appearances or like, I don't know. Here, here's a little example. The first thing it has you do, you meet Kim Kardashian while you're working at a boutique, right? (laughs) And she's like, oh, I really love this dress. And it's like a role-playing game, so you get the options whether, you know, to talk to her. And she's like, can I have this dress for free? And it doesn't give you an option to say no. (laughs) You have to give Kim Kardashian the dress. And like throughout the game, it's increasingly ridiculous. So like giving Kim Kardashian the uh, free dress will actually give you more points, more fame points, I guess, than giving to charity. (laughs) I'm not even kidding. It's god awful. It's god awful. So like, The first time I downloaded it, I spent like 20 bucks on getting more stars so I can like keep my energy up because you waste all this energy. In fact, like when you're doing a photo shoot, like there's an option like take a break for energy points. So you're like using your energy to take a break. It's ridiculous. (laughs) What else gets you famous on? Oh yeah, Um, if you have a celebrity rivalry, that gets you noticed by the media. That's real good to instill in little girls' hearts. Um, The games have been pressuring me to adopt a child. 
So I don't know what that means. I um I get bored in my real life relationships and I'm even getting bored in my fake celebrity relationships on this game. So I've had to like I haven't been able to adopt a child yet cuz I don't have a partner. But anyways, so this game, it's horrible. It's I love it. But oh my god. Kim Kardashian kisses her own ass so much in this game. My so-called manager will call me. His name's Simon, if any of you have played the game. And he'll be like, just got off the phone with Kim. Isn't she the best? I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. As if your ass wasn't big enough to kiss, you But like, the worst part is, I'll be playing this game, and like I'll have to interact with Kim, and I start finding myself like liking her, like I'm like deep down in this hole of this like fantasy game, giving me the taste of fame, and it's just ruining my life, and I'm just waiting till the game gives me an option to like spend ten stars or whatever to go from the D list. Oh yeah, there's lists. You start on the E list. <laughs> that doesn't even exist. <laughs> so anyways, I'm just waiting for it to give me the option to like spend 10 stars to make a sex tape to shoot me up <laughs> to like ultimate fame. But like it hasn't yet. And God, it's just, I love that. Like I keep like thinking about it. I need to delete it. But uh, speaking of the Kardashians, oh God. Like, they're nice in the game, but um, I have met some of them. Oh God, I, oh man. So I worked at American Apparel in the Topanga Mall, and Kylie Jenner would always go in there, and I'd hear that she'd go in there. And then one day, I finally, she's in my store. I didn't know she was in my store because she was wearing a god-awful green wig. I thought, I thought she was a mom trying to be hip, and, um, and my manager thought she was, like, you know, like, trans. I was like, wrong Jenner, but. So, so she's. So she's in the store, she's unfolding shit, she's not, you know, she doesn't care about the little people who actually do shit and not ride off of their half-sister's ass for <laughs> sex tapes. <sighs> so she's like being horrible and like we had this strict rule about one person in the dressing room and she's in the dressing room with her little friend and my manager comes up to me and she's like, Melody, do you want to kick her out of the dressing room? And I'm like, oh, hell yeah, I do. So I go, and I, like, knock on the door. And I'm like, one per room. And she gets out, and she's all mad and gives me a glare. I'm like, that's right. I overrule you here. This is my turf, bitch. <laughs> God. The, yeah. The best part was uh, when she paid with the credit card, have to ask for our ID. <laughs> yeah, whore. <laughs> I should stop calling this like 18 year old girl a whore. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. She, 
I'm very sex positive, but this girl. Mm. <sighs> so yeah, like it's a, it's just very disheartening when you're like trying to like you know become famous in a good honest way, and then you run into like these people like that, or like even if you're like you're trying to become famous, and then someone's like fucking cat like pushes a shot glass off the table. It gets on the internet and the cat gets on Ellen. And I'm just like, I give up. There's nothing for me here. So, thank you. Oh, that's magnificent. I don't even have to tell you guys to keep it going. That's goddamn fantastic. Uh... I'm realizing now um, your, your story about the, the child actor thing has is re- is just reminded me of something, which is that I, I begged, I begged and pleaded with my parents as a child to please let me audition, please let me act. And my dad, to his credit, was like, here's how I'm going to put an end to this. He's like, Christiana, I want you to know it's not that I don't want you to act. The truth is that I think you're so good (laughs) that if you were to audition, you'd become a huge child star and it would all be over. You just turn into a huge spoiled brat. Glad we avoided that. I'm clearly not a brat now. Um, Not at all. Have I told you guys my Natalie Portman story? I don't think I have, but I will. When I was, I don't know, an idiotic age, probably like 15. <laughs> all, the, all of them are, really. Um, when I was about 15, I was invited by my godmother to intern on the set of The Godfather. Now, I was no strings attached with Natalie Portman and Ashton Couchet. <laughs> I, I, this was literally like, I was working as a PA for like the last week of this thing, and I was so excited. I was like... I'm going to meet a Harvard grad. Nope. <laughs> I wonder what it's like. I was given very, very, very basic stupid jobs, which made it very clear that I was just, just there because I knew someone. Uh, the first and main task that I was given was to be the person who's on a bell, which means that when the take begins, I flick a switch that makes a bell ring, and then when the take ends and the director yells, cut, I ring the bell again. It basically just tells everybody, like, stop what you're doing, or shut up. That was the whole job for 9, 10, 12 hours. Just on and off. A lot of waiting. Hurry up and wait is the rule. And um, the night before my first day, as extremely excited, did not spend any time whatsoever sleeping. And um, when I got to set, the guy who was explaining my job to me was like, okay, do you, do you understand this? Like, you flick the switch when director calls action and flick it again, director calls cut. And I was like, how long do you, like, how long do you want me to ring it for? Like, I'm like, well, like 20 minutes later, if it's still going, that would be unhelpful. And he's like, okay, it's like, um, have you, he's like, it's like a, like a telephone rings. He's like, oh my God, you're so young. You probably don't, you've never heard a telephone ring. And I was like, yeah, what's a telephone? I don't know what that is. Um, and finally, uh, I, I was very, very exhausted from not doing anything other than thinking about this job. And they gave me this weirdly, like, massive, like, comfy couch, like, 
Blue's Clues, like a giant chair to sit in. It was super weird. And uh, they're like, okay, sit here, do the thing. I do the thing for a while, start to nod off. Finally, Natalie Portman comes to set. I'm not aware of this because I am sleeping. Uh, on set, on my first day, I was 15. It was really cool. I made a great impression. They definitely hired me again. <laughs> um, anyway, Black Swan, who cares? It would have been great. Um, so anyway, they uh, basically, they have Natalie Portman arrive on set. I'm like, <laughs> and she sees me and starts laughing her head off. She thinks this is hilarious that there's like, a child asleep in a chair. Like, <laughs> and that's the story of how I woke up next to Natalie Portman, guys. Thank you very much. <laughs> Exaggeration really works for me. Uh, the next person who is going to come to the stage is delightful. She is an actor, a producer. She's a panel guest. She's super, super funny. She's to told stories at the clubhouse which maybe, personally speaking, will go to. Who knows? Depends on whether or not you guys listen to this podcast. It's fine. Um, coming up next is Sean Richards. Get on up here, Sean. Okay. Warm welcome, warm welcome. This is unacceptable. Let's wait a little right there. Hey, guys. So I heard that we had to tell a story regarding fame. So my thing was like, I've met so many people, I'm not really starstruck, so what could, I, what could I tell them? Well, it all started one day, I was going to Runyon Canyon, and I just got in a psychic reading the night before. And the psychic told me, I'm going to meet somebody hugely famous, and since I was single, I just assumed that meant this was gonna be my husband. So, <laughs> so I go to Runyon, but I actually went looking like a hot mess. I wore, you know when you wear the sunblock that's so like strong that it's all white on your face? <laughs> yeah, that was me that day. And nobody wanted to come with me, so I went hiking by myself. I'm coming down the hill. I'm hitting Hollywood and Fuller. And I see this guy. He's riding a motorcycle. Helmet on, vintage motorcycle. I'm a huge motorcycle fanatic, okay? Huge. And he, like, falls off of it. So I'm like, oh, my God. So I just run over to him. I don't know who this I just go over to him. And I'm like, oh, my God, are you okay? He's like, yeah, I think my, something's wrong with my bike. And I'm like, well, do you want me to help you lift it up? He goes, well, we can try. So I, I look like a mess already, so why not? So I start helping him lift up the bike. We're lifting up the bike, and we're talking. Keep in mind. He has a helmet on, okay? We're having a full conversation. It's about 80 degrees. So you know where the sunblock is? It's all over my face. I have white coming out of my lips. I mean, eyes. I look a hot mess. I don't know. Anyway, so we're talking, and uh, all of a sudden, I, I keep hearing, and then I heard a bus stop. And I see a bunch of people, sort of like how you guys are standing there, kind of just staring at us, lifting up the bike, and we're talking. So I'm like, I don't, I'm not thinking anything about it. I'm talking to him. I said, wow, you know, how old is the bike? And he's telling me he just bought it, he had it made. I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. So all of a sudden, I notice 
that there's a video camera behind me. And I'm like looking, I'm like, what's going on? He takes off his helmet. It's Brad fucking Pitt! Guess what? I'm never going to tell you, but that was Brad Pitt, and that was my fame story. That was my fame story. Well, I'm not going to ask you to keep clapping now. <laughs> um, I, I have a couple more stories, but I think I'll kind of keep them on, on lock until a little bit later so we can keep the show moving along. The next person coming up to the stage is a friend of the show. You guys have heard her before. She crushed it. Makes my whole body tingle. I like it. So, coming up next to the stage, give a warm welcome to Julia Hayes. Thank you, guys. I'm happy to be back. Um, I'm going to Las Vegas next week for the second time in my life for my birthday. Uh, and I am super excited because the first and only time I've been to Las Vegas, I was the popular girl in the dance club for the one time in my life. This is, this is my fame story, guys. I went to Las Vegas to meet up with some girlfriends from New Jersey, and we wanted to just meet up in the middle of the country. I live in California now. 
they're still back in the Philly area, so we were all going to come together and just enjoy a weekend together in Vegas. And my girlfriends kind of like stepped aside in the hotel room and gave me a talk, sort of like a pep talk, and said, we're going to Vegas. Like, this is your time to shine and fly free. Your one assignment is to get us into a VIP booth. We don't care how, but like you're in charge of like flirting our way into some sort of VIP booth. This is what we want you to do. Like you're ready to do it. And I was like, I don't know if I can do this, guys. I'm like, I'm a good wing woman, but I don't know if I can be the one to do this. And I just asked, like, do I have your permission to do anything it takes to get us into the VIP booth? And they were like, yes, do whatever it takes, but it's up to you to just like flirt and like do your thing and talk to people and like get us into a booth so we can drink for free. Cause that's the only mission that anyone has in Vegas. <laughs> There's no dignity in it. <laughs> There's nothing to be proud of. But dr when a drink's more than $15, it's like, do what you've got to do. But you're going to find a way to get into a booth if you can. So we get to this dance club. And I immediately walk in like I'm in a heist movie, like everyone's a target. And I'm just like, <laughs> like how am I going to do this? So I see a guy leaving a VIP booth and walking down to the bar like to make a separate order. So that's my mark. And I walk over next to this guy, and I stand next to him, and I just look at him in his eyes, and I said, I'm drinking a gin and tonic. And then I just keep staring at him. <laughs> and, then, and I don't say anything else, and I'm just waiting. And like, it, I probably had this goofy look on my face because it's just how I looked, but I'm like, I'm drinking a gin and tonic. <laughs> and, and he like looks confused, <laughs> understandably, and is looking at me, and then he sees my two friends behind me, and then he turns back to the bartender and he said, I'll take four gin and tonics. And then I turned back to my friends and I was like, we're in. <laughs> I did it, I'm so excited, I'm so proud of myself. And then I turned back to him and I get the drinks and I pass the two others out to my friends, and we're just drinking with him. And, and whenever I'm back with my girlfriends, I kind of like go back to Jersey mode, which I've tried to hide since oh being out here. Because like, it's a little much, and I get it. Um, I've tried to like hide it a little bit. But I, your way of flirting in Jersey is to kind of just be an asshole. And it works out. So I start small talking with this guy. And I was like, where, so where are you from? And he said, oh, I'm from Chicago. And I was like, oh, you're a Bears fan? That sucks. And he was like, ha, you're, you're really funny. <laughs> and I was like, this is working. I'm being a monster. And it's working. <laughs> it's so great. Um, and then I got to the point where I was like, you know, this is, we got to find out how to get back up there. So I turned to him and I'm like, look, you're really, you're kind of fun. I was going to be nice, but I was like, you're kind of fun. And uh, my friend has these huge heels on, so she's got to sit down. So we're going to have to leave um, if she can't sit down somewhere. Uh, and he said, well, I've got this VIP booth. And again, I turned back to my friends like, get ready. Because <laughs> I just got us a place to sit down and some free drinks. Uh, so we followed this man up to the VIP booth in the club, and uh, I can't say in the club like in a normal way, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, and we walk into this booth, and it's like the ideal situation. It's this group of like college friends from Chicago, and most of them are engaged or married guys. 
So they're not looking to like meet any girls, but it's weird for like twelve guys to be standing adjacent to each other in a booth with no with nothing going on. Like they're just standing there around it like a vat of alcohol. <laughs> um, so they just kind of wanted to bring girls and I guess to like be fun and dance around and everything. So we're just kind of like small talking with people and I start essentially like just taking the bottles of Grey Goose and opening them and pouring everyone drinks. And the guys like aren't getting into it initially and I'm just like, you're on vacation, drink, like drink. You don't need a mixer, just drink, it's vacation. Look at all the bottles. <laughs> and I'm like getting super excited about it. Like drink this, you paid for you paid for this, thank you. But drink it with me. Um, and I turned to my friend, uh, Natalie, who's in our group and I don't know her quite as well as my, my close girlfriend, Alicia. And Natalie's kind of like off to the side, mope, like moping a little, like being quiet. And I go over and I'm like, we, we, what do you, what's, what's up? What's the deal? You're not really like talking to anybody. And she's like, oh, you know, I'm just kind of like shy in this sort of situation. I don't really know what to do. And then I became the monster within. And I looked at her and said, like, you said I can do whatever it takes, right, to get us into this booth. And she said, yeah, absolutely. And I was like, no one wants to be friends with the mopey bitch in the booth. You need to get it together right now. <laughs> you need to get your shit together. Because we're, we're not going to stay in this booth if you're being quiet off to the side. That's not fun. And then she just kind of like looked really serious. And she's like, you're right. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you're totally right. I get it. So then she takes the like crushed ice in the middle and is just serving crushed ice into all the guys' drinks, which is like needless and everything. But now that she's having fun, all the guys are like, yeah, okay, I'll take a cup of ice from you. Sure. Like, they're just happy she's like having a good time. Um, and then I uh, got to the point in the night because now that I'm an adult and I'm in my late 20s, um, I'm going to be 29 next week. I, uh, I get to the point where I'm like, I know I have like a 15-minute window until I'm going to start throwing up everywhere and I need to leave. Because <laughs> like once you're an adult, I don't know to like stop, but I know I need a bathroom. <laughs> and that's for throwing up or anything else in life. It's like I know when I need to go, but like this is going to happen. So I tell my friends like we got to get out of here. And we do that thing that I hate that women do, and I feel guilty even saying it, and I want to apologize to the men in the room. Like, I told them I was going to go to the bathroom, and I never came back. <laughs> and I still feel guilty about it. And honestly, every time I've done it in my life, I've felt the most guilty. Like, I know I'm leaving, and instead of saying, like, this has been fun, and, like, shaking hands like an adult does... I was like, I'm going to go to the bathroom. And then we just left the club, all three of us, um, and went back to the room. And then I was sick for the rest of the night uh, while my friends were sleeping. And then the next morning we woke up. Um, and it just looked like we were going to go have a normal Vegas day. And we uh, stopped in front of the, the cafe that was downstairs. And I was like, what are we doing, guys? And my girlfriends were like, didn't you say before we started all this, you wanted to get like a grilled cheese sandwich at the end of the night? Like, you earned it. Let's go get a grilled cheese sandwich together. And I was like, this is what love is. This is, the <laughs> <laughs> this is a perfect relationship with my friends. Thank you, guys. That's my thing.
Oh, God. I'm going to be 29 someday. That's weird. Um, thank God I can keep doing stuff like that. That sounds really exciting to me. I love the idea of being mean. I functionally, functionally not, cannot uh, be mean. You know what? On second thought, um, next storyteller coming up to the stage... I mean, I, I, I love them, in a way. Um, next storyteller coming up to the stage made a delightful announcement recently. Uh, are you guys familiar with the expression education, the great equalizer? Um, I think it's alcohol, but education works too. Um, it's not alcohol. Um, so recently, this beloved, our beloved, announced to our friend group that they wanted to do college. To which I was like, fuck yeah, like, go get that higher education. Second of all, you don't do college. It's not heroin. <laughs> Real quick. That's the meanest I'm capable of being. <laughs> Said all in love and respect. <laughs> don't hurt me. Don't ruin my life, please. Please, 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 baby, please. Uh, the next storyteller coming to the stage is the bitchiest bitch I know. Welcome Ian Toledo up here. Get on up there. Thank you much. Welcome. What's funny is that my fame story is actually going to explain why I'm such a bitch. <laughs> First things you got to know, my name's not actually Ian, it's Christian. Second off, I'm Jewish. <laughs> Great going, guys. Thanks, Mom, Dad. And then I'm also gay, but not like gay, but like super gay. And not to mention I'm Mexican, Israeli, Spaniard. This is all relevant, I promise you this. And so pretty much it's like the United Nations had a peace baby, and I'm that peace baby. But pretty much... My claim to fame is back in my prime, my rise to high school popularity and a lifetime of vanity. So it was on the eve of when I was going to break the Facebook. I was going to come out to a school of 2,500 kids by simply saying, guess what? I'm gay. And so pretty much, I was like, wait, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do what all famous people do. I'm going to change my name. So I was like, hmm, your name's Christian. You can't go by Chris because you want to be cool. You want to be edgy. You don't want to be so mainstream and go by Chris. No offense, Chris. <laughs> I was like, wait, I can go by Christ. <laughs> no, no, I don't want to get sued by the Vatican because copyright. I was like, hmm, I live in Omaha, Nebraska. Everyone's already going to say I'm going to hell because gay, Jewish. So why not denounce Christ and just go by Ian? <laughs> Thus, Ian was born. I posted a Facebook status, and the next day, everything changed. <laughs> I was on the tip of everyone's tongue, not to mention I started getting lead in every single school play. And <laughs> every musical, I wonder why. I was... Simba in The Lion King. I was the lead in Bye Bye Birdie. You can't take it with you. I was Aladdin and Aladdin, even though that was a bit of typecasting and a little bit racist. 
Not to mention, I started going out to parties, and we skipped school, but none of us drove, so we went across the street to the Home Depot. (laughs) Or for the first time, I did weed. (laughs) And we, yes, did weed, and we drank hard liquor. Hard liquor being Mike's Hard Lemonade. (laughs) Not to mention, everyone wanted to know who I was dating every single week, because literally, I was dating somebody Different every single week. Up until you, Jason. (laughs) Because when Taylor Swift tells you, when you're 15 and somebody tells you they love you, you're gonna believe them. And when you're 16 and 17, 18, 19, 20, and then once you hit 21 and they tell you they love you, I'm like, thanks, Jason, but... I told you I love you for the first time 10 minutes ago. (laughs) And so, pretty much, everyone wanted a gay best friend. All the girls did, because Glee had come out, Lady Gaga had released Born This Way. Everyone's like, we need a Kurt. Do we know anyone who's gay? Ian! And so I became friends with all these girls. We went to homecoming. We all stood together. I was the only guy. I looked like The Bachelor, except <laughs> nobody was getting the rose. And they got a bit too comfortable, meaning they started changing in front of me. And I was like, oh, my God, let me excuse myself. Sorry. And they're like, no, it's fine. I'm like, no, I don't want to tell you if you're going to impress Dylan because your blush matches your nipples. Like, <laughs> I'm like, no, no. Later on that night... It's after homecoming. We're all, me and Ariana have gone back to her place. Ariana, unbeknownst to me, had a crush on me. (laughs) (laughs) Thus, my first experience with the female form in the flesh. (laughs) So, She's like, Ian, I'm going to go shower before everyone shows up. I'm like, oh, cool, cool, that's fine. I'm, I'm gonna, just going to go play Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Pokemon Day. <laughs> and so she comes out naked, vagina out. <laughs> and I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, to me, and by no, by no means is the penis pretty. No. No, it looks like Alien from Alien vs. Predator. But to me, the vagina, her vagina in particular, looked like Predator from Alien vs. Predator. When he takes off his mask and he's just like... (laughs) Or have you ever seen Jurassic Park and there's that one dinosaur that just kills Newman and just goes <laughs> and just shoots ink or acid. I'm like, is that a quiff? I don't know what that is. And then I like, I thought the movie Teeth was a documentary. <laughs> Until a couple years later, somebody told me it wasn't. Um, I cried. <laughs> Have you guys seen Forgetting Sarah Marshall? You know when Jason Seeker's butt naked crying to Kristen Bell who's fully clothed? Except in this scenario, I was fully clothed 
Jason Siegel crying to a naked Kristen Bell. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, I'm going to test out my high school popularity. This is after the fact. My friends came. They saved me. Thank Jesus. Thank Christ, which could have been me. <laughs> Copyright laws. Trademark. And so pretty much what ended up happening is class presidents coming up. I was like, you know what? I think I'm popular enough. I'm no longer that awkward little kid that's, well, I still play Pokemon. But still, I was like, I can run for class president. My competition, I found out, head cheerleader, star football player, valedictorian, and random kid. And I was like, oh, fuck. I was like, I don't think I'm that popular. I was like, wait, I have an idea. So Obama had been elected. My whole slogan literally was, guys, so we've had a first black president. We're going to have a woman president. Whether or not that's Hillary, I don't know. We'll see. So why not have our first gay, Jewish, Mexican, Spanish, Israeli president whose vice president is his best friend, Gina? <laughs> Here's the kicker. Gina is an Ecuadorian transfer student who stands at three foot tall and is shaped like the most adorable meatball. And so, we won. We won in a landslide. And I'm like, holy shit, what do I get to do as class president? They're like, oh, well, pretty much if any of your classes, if anyone wants to go to the bathroom, you get to tell them if they can or not. <laughs> I was like, this is going to go so well for my enemies. And it got to my ego. My teachers would hand out wooden pencils. I'd be like, I only write with mechanical. Would smack it out of their hands. And so even though I became the most popular kid in school, I never forgot the kids I started out with. The theater kids, the anime geeks, those gothic suburban kids who listen to Paramore and Flyleaf because they're the only ones who truly understood them. <laughs> And that's how I became the vainest, bitchiest <laughs> bitch you will ever know. Thank you. Delightful. Oh, God. I wish I had a high school story that good. I did not touch vodka until graduation night. Um, at which point I got super drunk and everybody's like, your speech was so good. I was like, yeah, I just uh, copied it from YouTube. Uh, I don't think I've ever publicly told my Emma Watson story. Um, and you guys are like, what? You are Emma Watson, Christy. Um, <laughs> unfortunately not. So a couple years back, um, back in community college, which I tell people I went to because I couldn't afford USC, but that's not true. It's fine. Back in community college, I was offered a role as an extra in the film The Bling Ring, directed by Sofia Coppola, starring Emma Watson and whoever the fuck else was in that. I do not care. Um, American Horror Story or whatever her name is. I was like, would I like to go to a club scene and dance with Emma Watson for a day and get paid for it? Yes, I would like to do that instead of going to math class. 
so that's what I did. I, uh, I spent the day basically like very close to where I live now, um, dancing in a faux club scene in the bling ring, which you can see me, but please don't. My hair is really bad at that point in my life. But, um, the thing, the thing that enthralled me, uh, about all of this, there were many, many delightful things about Emma Watson. She's so flawless that many people are like, who over it? Who gives a fuck? Um, she's perfect. So, one of the one of the best things that happened during the entire day was she was the one who was requesting the music that was being played while we were dancing in this club with like Kirsten Dunst and Paris Hilton and whatever the fuck. It was this is a bizarre story, but she has an image to protect, and Kanye had a song called "N Words in Paris," which she could not request but desperately wanted to hear so badly. This is, this is the thing that was delightful to me, because she couldn't say the word in front of other people. Most white people don't, and I would hope that they would not. Um, the only time you're, you're quote-unquote allowed to say it is when you're singing Kanye West in your car, which I assume Emma Watson has done based on the way she requested this song. So, she calls someone over. She's like, um, can we change the music? Um, I would like to hear that song... Um, by Kanye West. The song is called um, People in Paris. I hear her doing this. I'm like, oh. <laughs> yes! Yes! And the manager is like, I don't know that song. And she's like, um, it's, um, how, how do I, um, this song is called Nos in Paris! And uh, I'm like, all right, well, I wish I had had a smartphone at that point in my life, but I, I love her too much, guys. I'm not going to damage her reputation. Finally, the song comes on. Everybody goes nuts. It's great. It's fine. Everybody's mouthing words and not saying words, thank God. Um, and then the next song that comes on, I don't know if she managed to request this as well, but she clearly knew it. Apropos of nothing... The theme to the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air comes on. <laughs> Guys, Emma Watson knows every single word to the theme of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Where the fuck did she get the time to learn it? You don't watch reruns if you're starring in Harry Potter. You don't, like, go until 2 a.m. like, watching Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, like, learning the theme song and the one that aired in the first episode. But she knew all the words. It was terrifying. Also, I saw her underwear. Thanks, guys. Coming up next to the stage is another friend of the show who I'm delighted to have back. She crushed it last time. Give it up for Elena Litvag. Come on up here. Woo! across the city like fairy dust mixed in with crack cocaine. <laughs> we exist, we are present, and we are very weird. My upbringing all began at Wonderland Elementary School. It's an elementary school in Laurel Canyon that overlooks the Houdini Mansion. And for career day at school, we would have my friend's dad show up with the platinum record of, tra of Tragic Kingdom by No Doubt. 
And playdates would consist of me coming over to my friend's house and role-playing with Tic Tacs and pretending they're mommy and daddy's happy pills. Uh-huh. And, you know, daddy's affair with the secretary and mommy really loves her elliptical machine. And I didn't really realize how much this hit so close to home until I was an adult. And then we get into high school where we had a CEO, not a principal, and she decided to combat the racial tension by letting us win the Power 106 Challenge and have Kanye West perform at our high school. Because, you know, that nothing fixes like racial t- tension in a high school like Kanye West. <laughs> So, of course, the logical conclusion for this kind of upbringing would be that I'd become an underage club kid. And this is right around the time that Lindsay Lohan decided to spiral out of control. And Lohan's law was passed, which meant that all of us underage club kids had to go into hiding to after hours and house parties. And Lindsay Lohan, although we didn't know her, she was like that friend who you really hated because she's the one that got you all grounded. And I blame this night on Lindsay Lohan because it was this night that I found myself in a party in the Hollywood Hills. And I'm on my cell phone chain smoking and drinking And the thing is, like, my friend group at this point, they're like a really bad knockoff of Andy Warhol's factory. We're the self-esteem generation. Everything we do is so great, except for the fact that we do absolutely nothing. And I'm having this phone conversation, and it's really heated, but it doesn't really matter because I'm channeling my inner Andy Warhol, and I'm so pissed off. I hang that phone up, and I fling it across the room, and I get inside this party, and I grab that bottle of vodka sitting there on that silver tray, and I down as much as what will possibly slide down my throat. I snort a line of cocaine off of some girl's tits, and then I proceed to de-virginize a straight girl in front of a room full of people. And there's a New York photographer snapping pictures, and someday these pictures will surface in some sort of art book, and I pray and hope that my name's not there. As my fingers are sliding up and I'm groping her and everyone's cheering me on and I'm filtering it out because I'm a rock star at this point. I'm channeling my inner rock star and I'm shit-faced drunk and I'm fumbling around this house and I stumble into a bedroom and pass out in a closet. I wake up in this closet, I open the doors And I see the host of the party, who previously claimed to be straight, getting a blowjob from another guy who's at the party. And I'm like, tiptoeing around because I just need to get out. And I don't know where my stuff is. I can't find my phone. And sure enough, I see my phone in the corner near the kitchen, not really sure how it got there. And I have 15 missed calls from my parents because I told them I was going to a small dinner party (laughs) and I'd be home by 11 p.m. And what I failed to mention was that pussy, tits, and ass were on the menu. (laughs) So I get into the car and I really gun for it home because I am more afraid of my father than a DUI at this point. (laughs) Because a DUI would mean that maybe, just maybe, 
I get 24 hours to sober up and deal with the ramifications of my actions. But no, unfortunately, I make it home. And he's sitting there in the kitchen with a bottle of cognac, half empty, with a shot glass. And he's like, are you proud of yourself? And I'm just like, damn straight I am. I didn't do anything wrong. I feel criminalized. It's like, sit the fuck down. And he makes me sit in this chair in front of a drafty window. And before I could protest, I just fall asleep because I'm shit-faced. <laughs> and uh, eventually I make it upstairs to my room. I don't really remember. And we're sitting in the kitchen in the morning. And it's this, like, staring duel where none of us is really uttering a word and one of us is waiting for the other to say something, but I'm not going to be the one to fold because I'm a rock star and that's not going to happen. And finally, my father is able to speak and he's like, what do you have to say for yourself? And I sit and I pout in my seat and I'm just like, nothing. He's like, are you proud of yourself? Yes. And he asks me why I keep things for him. And of course, I reassure him that I'm just, I don't keep anything from him. Everything's okay. And he lets me know that he went through my phone while I was passed out on the chair and found a picture of the tattoo I had just gotten. And he's like, how's it healing, Yelena? I'm like, great. He's like, so, are you going to tell your mother or am I? And at this point, my mother looks up from her conversation that she's having on the phone, and her eyes are welling up with tears. And she's like, oh, God, Yelena, please, please, just tell me you don't have a fake ID. <laughs> and I reassure her that I don't have a fake ID. However, I do have a tattoo. And at this point, that is worse than a fake ID. And she grabs her purse and gets ready to leave. And as she's leaving, I scream, don't worry, don't worry. I can still get buried in the Jewish cemetery. They just have to scrape it off first. <laughs> and I never really fully realized that this was abnormal or strange. This just seemed like this is my world. This is what I've grown up in. We are these self-entitled assholes of industry parents. And that's what you do until I moved to Salt Lake City. And I spent two years there, surrounded by drab grays and browns and the Mormon community, and felt like the most garish, brightest color surrounded by all of the gray, and realized that I am so immensely grateful to grow up in the LA bubble. Thank you. <laughs> All right, friends, I don't need this. That's fine. Um, what do you guys think? Was that all right? Good? Thank you very much for participating in, enjoying, and opening yourself up to personally speaking. Thank you very much. I love having you guys here. This is my favorite thing that I do, and it proves to people I do something, so I like that a lot. Uh, yeah, so thank you very much for coming to Personally Speaking. 
the rule of the night at the end of every show, what I always remind you all is that you don't have to stay here, but you can never go home. Thank you very much. Have a nice night. Thank you so much for coming. Personally Speaking is recorded live in East Hollywood every month by Matt Raines and hosted by myself, Christiana Morganroth. If you're interested in performing, attending, or just chatting, reach out to us at personallyspeakingshow at gmail.com. Drive safe. We'll see you next month.